Malcolm Brogdon was awesome. He is really making a strong case for six man of the year. I'll talk about that. Plus the Celtics officially now the second seed. Joe Azula might just be an absolute maniac. It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Raining Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device. Whatever app you use, whatever podcasting app you choose, this show is there. It's also on YouTube. So I'd love it if you watch the show on YouTube, hop into the comment section, join a growing Celtics community there in the comment section. Whatever you want to talk about, the, the podcast, the game. Anything else, jump in. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I used to play once upon a time. And today I'm here to talk about the Celtics. I was going to start with a one. They didn't make it to one. 97-93 win over the Raptors. I'm just conditions to start with one. I forgot. You know, I don't always remember the scores when I start recording. And <laughs> I was always like, I'm like, one oh nothing. It's not well, one oh nothing. It's 97. The Celtics scored 97 points. Uh, they gave up 93. Nobody could hit a damn thing. This was not a fun game. This was not a pretty game. This was not anything that you're going to write home about. The Celtics shot 28.9%, 11 of 38. The Raptors, that's from three. The Raptors shot six of 33 from three, 18%. So the teams combined to take 71 three-pointers, and they combined to make 17. That is gross. Just, ugh. Blah, blah. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the game here in the first segment. Second segment, I'll say for Malcolm Brogdon who absolutely should be the sixth man of the year. No doubt about it. Don't give me a manual quickly, although I get it, but don't. It's Malcolm Brogdon. He should be the leader. He better win this thing. He better win this thing going away. That's in the second segment. And then later on, uh, the second seed, it's official. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about Joe Missoula being a little bit of a maniac. But let's just quickly touch on this game. There's, there's not much. There's not much. The Celtics, I, I feel like, first of all, no Jason Tatum, no uh, Al Horford, no Marcus Smart, no Peyton Pritchard, which I don't know if we're ever going to see Peyton Pritchard play for the Celtics again at this rate, but it's a heel injury. He came back that one time, and it's still it's still bothering him. I don't know the, don't know the extent of it, but whatever. Uh, so the Celtics were shorthanded. They started Mike Muscala. They started... Sam Hauser, and they started Robert Williams. So Derek White as a regular starter, Jalen Brown as a regular starter, Robert Williams as a sort of regular starter, and then Muscala and Hauser as guys. All of a sudden, Muscala comes in and uh, 
gets 32 minutes and hit some big shots, 12 points, three of five from three, four of six overall. He had some big shots and he got, you know, a few rebounds, six rebounds, a couple of assists. Thought Muscala played well. Uh, Hauser did not have a good shooting night, but the, I got to shout out Sam Hauser right away. One of eight shooting from three, and you'd think, oh, God, he was useless if you just saw that part of the box score. But the man went out there and grabbed six rebounds. He had four assists. He had two steals. He had a block. He was plus 11. No one had a better plus minus than Sam Hauser. And early in that first quarter, he had one of the signature plays of the entire season, that diving play, rolling over, grabbing loose ball, getting it over to Jalen Brown, and... JB going in for the dunk that that play right there is pure Celtics basketball, pure hustle basketball. That's going to be on the actual like end of season highlight reel. That's something that will make it onto the jumbotron. They'll put that into the opening, uh, pretty quickly. That'll make it into the opening. I wouldn't even be surprised if they put it in by the start of the next game. So that that's that's a real signature play. And that was a hell of a play from Hauser. When Sam Hauser is a plus eleven and, and a big impact guy at one of eight shooting, then that that says something. Uh, Rob was good. Jalen Brown uh, was was pretty good, although he didn't shoot well. One of nine from three. I thought he kind of had a a, a decent game. Thirty nine minutes, but twenty five points, eleven rebounds, five assists. That's that was that's a good game. He didn't have a spectacular game. He didn't have a killer game. He had a good game. And that says a lot because 25 points, 11 rebounds, five assists is, is a really, really nice night that Jalen has gotten himself to a point here where hit that night is just kind of like, yeah, okay, nice, good game, move on. Nothing gaudy, nothing to drool over, just a nice night. The, the real stars of the game... I think were Malcolm Brogdon for the most part, Derek White uh, in stretches. But it, really, let's just say that Malcolm Brogdon was the star of the game. Twenty nine points to lead the team, five rebounds, three assists. He shot ten of nineteen overall, four of six from three. It was basically him and Muscala. He he and Muscala combined for seven of eleven from three. He and Muscala combined to take to to make more three pointers than the entire Raptors team. But it was Brogdon that came in off the bench, as he always has all season long. It was Brogdon who came in and made a difference uh, in that first quarter. He made a difference down the stretch. The turning point of this game was in the fourth quarter when it was tied at 82. Brogdon hits a three-pointer. Uh, that's that fourth three-pointer of the night, and that's where the Celtics get their last bit of separation. So once again, when the Celtics were down, Multiple players. Here's Malcolm Brogdon coming in and saving the day. Him and White and Jalen Brown, the three of them at various stages and different points of the game, did just enough uh, to, to hold off the Raptors. Pascal Siakam was great. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was terrible. This guy, what a terrible time to have an off year, an off shooting year. Dude shot one for 12 from three. Fred Van Vliet shot one for 12 from three. That's And, and they need these games. They need these games if they're going to try to get into that 7-8 that game. But they might have just 
dropped into the 9-10, and now they're going to be fighting for home court in that 9-10. Pascal Siakam did kind of everything he could to try to keep the Raptors afloat, but Barnes, uh, Scotty Barnes was pretty good, but Fred Fred Van Vliet was terrible, and you just can't, you're not going to win with Van Vliet doing that. Uh, But I thought the Celtics, look, you, you hold, I say hold, Van Vliet was, if Van Vliet hits three more of those three pointers and shoots 33%, then the, obviously that's, that's not holding them to 93. That's, that's losing because they scored 102. So you, I, I use the word hold kind of, you know, generously, but the, the Raptors scored 93 points. And the Celtics were able to win a game underhanded, not underhanded, undermanned. Underhanded would be a little bit of a different kind of win. (laughs) Undermanned and shorthanded combine to be underhanded if you're tired at quarter past two in the morning. So they win a game shorthanded. They win the game undermanned. They score 97 points and they win. Hey, sometimes you're going to have to win messy games like this. Malcolm Brogdon, like I said, was really the hero of the game. He's the sixth man of the year to me, and I don't think it really should be as close as some of these outlets, some of these people are trying to make it. So that is next. First, today's show brought to you by Ibotta. You're going shopping every day. You know you're going out there to spend money, regardless, on things that you just need, groceries, school supplies, all those things. Why not get your cash back with each person purchase with Ibotta. Every shopping trip, you can get your get cash back. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. You can link a loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop to get cash back. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. This is real cash, not points, not like those other apps. They give you actual cash back that you can just Send to a bank account, to your PayPal, to a gift card. You can use that 120 bucks to basically say, hey, we got one free shopping trip. Or you just go to a dinner and treat your spouse or yourself. Typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning of the year due to inflation. So that money could come in pretty handy. Earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering listeners 5 bucks just for trying it. Use the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play. Download the free Ibotta app, I-B-O-T-T-A, Ibotta, and use the code LOCKEDON. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. What a great time in Boston sports. So I want to thank you for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day, but Boston sports Lockdown podcasts are popping. Red Sox season just began, so check out Lockdown Red Sox. Patriots NFL draft is right around the corner, so check out Lockdown Patriots. The Bruins, oh, by the way, they're the best team in hockey. They could be sharing duck boats, a split parade, just run them one after the other. Bruins and then the Red, the, the, the Celtics. Listen to Lockdown Bruins. If you're not a Boston sports fan, if you're one of those who just likes the Celtics and you like other sports uh, from other cities, then go to that city. There's a locked on for your 
team as well. Malcolm Brogdon, like I said, has been, he was the hero in this game, and he's been the hero in a lot of games for the Celtics this season. Over his past five games, he has really been showing us his best basketball. 19 points a game on over 49% shooting over his last five games. You go back to his last 10, and it's about 16 points a game, up from his average of 14 for the year. But he's peaking at the right time. He's showing us his best basketball. And especially with the Celtics down guys, he's really been helping off the bench. And it's really been important. So he's played every game off the bench. And one of the things that's I haven't talked about it all season long. No one else has really talked about it. What's the net effect of him coming off the bench all season? Even when, hey, I said it on this podcast. My my feeling coming into the season was what a great signing for Mal- you know, Malcolm Brogdon was. You can offer him that bench role, but you could also say to him, whenever somebody's out, you get to start. And they've played 24 different starting lineups. Not one has included Malcolm Brogdon. He could have started in 24 different situations. And to his credit, to the team's credit, they said, no, we're sticking to this. You want to commit to coming off the bench? Commit to coming off the bench. So it didn't go like I thought it would. I thought it made sense. You offer the guy a bench roll, but hey, spot starts. So you can you can still say you're kind of a starter, but whatever. And and he just stayed stayed with that role. So it's important. The net effect is whenever guys are out. So in this one, no Tatum, no Smart, no Al. So you start Mascala and you start Sam Hauser. Now Mascala is usually a DNP, and he gets the start. Hauser doesn't normally play a ton of minutes. He gets the start. So even when the Celtics go to their bench and go to a couple of these different guys, those guys now those guys are now in the starting lineup. So so who do you go off the who do you go to off the bench? Brogdon being there consistently has throughout all of the ups and downs and the guys in and out. Jalen has missed time. Smart has missed time. Uh, the only guy who hasn't missed time is Derek White. And I'm curious, by the way, side note, if he's going to play in these last two games. He tweaked his ankle a couple of times. He rolled it once, and then Precious Achua stepped on it uh, in a transition play uh, where he traveled. And so I don't know if Brogdon, if if White is going to play in either of the next two games. So we'll see if that streak continues. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Brogdon, as a constant off the bench, it doesn't matter who the Celtics go to. When Usually when guys go down, you take your next two bench players, three bench players, however many bench players to fill that role, and you step those guys step up, and there's a void on the bench. So when guys are are out and teams are missing key players, you'll often see, hey, that starting unit is really hanging tough with, without player X. And then it's when the benches come in that you see the drop-off because you're going to guys that you don't normally go to. Well, the Celtics have been going to Malcolm Brogdon in those situations because he's just been a constant off the bench, and that's why he's been so good. He's been a constant, and you're, you're getting a starter-level level player coming off the bench. 
a starting level player that you can constantly count on no matter what the situation. So no matter how depleted your starting unit is, the Celtics can go to Brogdon and know that that second unit is going to get at least one professional out there that has some poise and can get you a bucket. And I personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of pulling from deeper in the bench when a guy or two is out because you still have, they still have Rob. They still had Jalen. They still had Derek white. We know where the ball is going to go. So spot starters to, you know, guys like guys like Mascala and, and Hauser can be guys that just fill a role and they know where the ball is supposed to go and you catch it when you're supposed to catch it and shoot it when you're supposed to shoot it and everything's good. And then Brogdon comes in off the bench still bolstering that bench unit, and everything remains good. That's what a six-man is. That's what a a true six-man is. Now, I know Emmanuel quickly is seen as maybe the favorite for six-man of the year, and he's, he's definitely played well off the bench. But his numbers have been juiced as a starter. And this is, this is where you have to it almost becomes an MVP-ish definition because you say, well, what do you want from your sixth man? Quickly has been what I thought Brogdon was going to be. That spot starter that you know does a good job off the bench but comes in and bails you out when somebody sits. Quickly has started 18 games for the Knicks, and in those starts, he's averaged 39 minutes a game. 39 minutes a game as a starter. You saw him torch the Celtics out there celebrating, doing his crazy three-point dance with the, you know, in front of his face. Uh, if you're not watching on, on YouTube and you're just listening to me do woo-woo-woo, you miss the whole, the whole thing. With I did not do it justice. But, yeah, as, as a starter, he's shooting 46.5%. He's shooting 38.3% from three, quickly is. But as a reserve, 12.3 points. His shooting percentage drops 3.2% to 43.5. His three-point shooting drops three full percentage points to 35.2. And he's playing 14 less minutes per game. So it's great that they have that reserve, and he's doing a great job for them as a reserve, and he's helped fuel the, the surge that they've had. And that's great for the Knicks. But is he really is he really the sixth man of the year? I don't know that that really qualifies him. He's, he's starting 18 games and juicing your numbers as a starter, having all those numbers come as a starter, that kind of flies in the face of what the sixth man of the year is rewarding. Here comes Brogdon taking that role, embracing that role, sacrificing in that role, and he's been doing it every year. Has not started once. Noah Vonley has started a game for the Celtics. Twelve different guys have started games for the Celtics. Brogdon has not because they've stuck with him in that role. And to his credit, you know, he says, "Oh, he always says the right things. He always says the right things." And the best quote: Everybody's looking at the the quotes uh, out of this game, and this is going to be the headline for every. Every Brogdon story, including mine on Boston Sports Journal, when you go to Boston Sports Journal 
and you see the big, bold headline, it's the last words in this quote. He says, I want to win. The last two seasons for me were rough, not being able to win. I'm a winner. I feel like I've been known as a winner. I want to be known as a winner when I'm done playing in this league, and I want to win at the highest level, and that's winning a championship. So being in Boston, being a Celtic fits me perfectly. Whoa, well, there you go. Being a Celtic fits me perfectly. What a, what a great quote. That's, that's sacrifice. He has sacrificed for the team. Brogdon should be getting a ton of love this year. ton of it. Sacrificing for this team. And doing it all year long. Give that man the six man of the year award. Do not give it too quickly. You just, it, Brogdon embodies it just better than quickly does. And quickly's had a good season. I'm not taking anything away from him, but Brogdon should be running away with this award. All right, let's get into the second seed and Joe Missoula. Crazy Joe Missoula. You know, I'm surprised we haven't gotten into more because it's very Seinfeldy, crazy Joe Davola. This is very crazy Joe Missoula. It's right there for us. I'll get into that next. First, today's show also brought to you by FanDuel. Playoffs are right around the corner. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Like I said, the betting favorites, Manuel Quickly is the betting favorite right now. So if you want to bet on player props like Malcolm Brogdon getting six men of the year, this might be the time to hop in and get yourself some better odds over there on FanDuel. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Now, I know in Massachusetts, just legalized gambling, and now's the chance for you first-time customers to sign up, download the FanDuel app at fanduel.com slash locked on. That's where you got to do it. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Take advantage of that no sweat first bet and sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. You get up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go there. And then you can start betting on everything. Money line, point scores, three-pointers drain. You can combine things uh, and, and get a same-game parlay to increase your payout. Once you get that payout, it goes right to your bank to bank account within a couple of hours. It's super safe, secure, easy to use, fun to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Just ask you, if you're going to bet, please gamble responsibly. So it's official. The Milwaukee Bucks are the top seed, the best record in the NBA, currently with 58 wins, uh, 58 and 22. Boston, three games behind at 55 and 25. They are officially the second seed. Philadelphia is now officially the third seed. And now you've got Cleveland, New York, uh, and it looks like Brooklyn is going to hold on to that sixth seed. Still possible. It's not done, done, but it's still possible that Miami can jump, but they've got to be perfect. They got to win the next two. Brooklyn's got to lose the next two. So we'll see. But right now, it looks like that top six is set, which I've said on a podcast before. Uh, and the top five is definitely set Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland, New York, and then we'll see, which means. If Miami goes to seventh and you've got Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago, uh, I don't know what's going to happen down there. They're, they've got to figure this out. 
the next couple of games are going to be meaningful. Atlanta and Toronto. The Celtics play Toronto again on Friday. They play Atlanta on Sunday. I don't know what they're going to do, first of all. I think the Celtics might go one more game where they play everybody. I don't know if they're going to go one more game super hard. If they just go and just play Friday with Tatum and Smart and everybody. And Smart was out with a neck, a nerve uh, thing in his in his neck, a pinched neck. So I don't know if, if he is going to play. Uh, he, he did say that if it's, if it's not feeling good, he's not going to play. Tatum was more of a rest, but we'll see. I think it might do the Celtics some good to go out there and get one more good, hard run, play these guys 35, 36, 37 minutes, and then give them Sunday off, give them that whole week off, let them get themselves together. Or you take Friday off, you you give them big minutes on Sunday. You just finish the season hard. And knowing that you're going to have Monday off, Tuesday you'll figure out maybe you, you get some film on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday is your, you know, you get a couple of practices in. That might be the case. I, I'm not I'm not sold on the Celtics just sitting everybody for the next two games. Because I think they want to get these guys out there and make sure their cardio is up. But I can also make the argument to argue against myself, because it's just me on the podcast right now, that they can keep the cardio up in more controlled circumstances in practice and not worry about, I don't know, Precious Achua running down and stepping on somebody's foot because he traveled and was trying to make a play or anything like that. Or some stupid thing like somebody getting pissed off and throwing a punch or throwing an elbow or anything like that. So we'll see what the Celtics do. Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, Chicago are all in that mix there for the play-in. They well, that's it. That that's definitely the play-in because everyone else has officially been eliminated. It's it's those four teams. Chicago is out as a first round opponent. Toronto might be there, but they're they're less likely. And then so it's going to likely be between Miami and Atlanta. And if it's Miami, I've said I've said a ton about Miami already. If you haven't heard me talking about Miami on the podcast, I probably talked about it in two or three of the last four or five podcasts. But you know. I'm not thrilled. I'm not thrilled with facing Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. I'm not. But if, you know, Miami Miami is in the play-in tournament for a reason. And so I feel okay about it. Uh, the good thing is, as much as I have been beating the drum for a top seed, second seed is not bad. The... They will have home court in every series. Let's pretend for now that they're going to the finals. They would have home court over Denver because the Celtics uh, have the better record. And they would have home court over everybody except for Milwaukee. And if you go into Milwaukee and steal one of those first two games, then guess what? Now you've got home court back. So all it takes is one road win in the conference finals, and you can say, hey, the Celtics, in a roundabout way, have home court throughout the playoffs. So it's not exactly ideal, and if that series goes seven, then game seven would be in Milwaukee. So 
obviously it's not straight uh, home court advantage, but if you steal game one or game two in Milwaukee, which the Celtics have proven time and time again that they can do, then, then you just got to hold on. Hold on at home, win the series in six, and be done with it. So the road is not so bad. Miami is annoying, and I feel like the Celtics will, it'll take them one or two more games to dispatch Miami, but they'll do it. Philly, I love the matchups against Philly. This last game, notwithstanding, uh, I didn't see, I didn't listen to the whole podcast, but I did see the title for the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And they, you know, it's basically uh, Philly beats the, the Celtics and Embiid solidifies MVP and it still doesn't feel good. And I still feel like that that's kind of the general consensus that that loss felt fine for the Celtics and it didn't feel great for the, the Sixers. The matchups are still there. The matchups against Milwaukee are still there. I've talked about that before after that win. I feel like the Celtics have what it takes to play Brooke Lopez off the floor. That's something that is going to be huge because if he's off the floor, then you you have uh, a place to attack defensively. You're not going to have that same rim protection. Bring Bobby Portis in. Now you bring Robert Williams in to match up with Bobby Portis. And now you've got a, a big athletic rebounding big that can go in there and crash the glass. And I think the Celtics have good matchups to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. It won't be easy. The Bucks are really, really good. I think the Celtics have what it takes. They have what it takes to win a championship. So it's officially the second seed. And while I have been beating the drum for the first seed, second seed is not that bad. It's not, it's not ideal, but it's not that bad. And I've been just going for ideal before I go. I just got to acknowledge Joe Missoula, absolute maniac. Uh, <laughs> he he got bumped late in the second quarter. Chris Boucher walks walks walking to the bench. It felt like he intentionally bumped Missoula. Like you're walking back to the bench. Missoula was standing still, and I think he was easily avoidable. I think Boucher could have easily walked past Joe Missoula, but he decided to bump him a little bit. I don't know why. Do they have history? Did they say something? Did Missoula say something during, during play? I don't know. But for some reason, Boucher kind of bumped him on his way back to the bench. And Missoula turned around and was like, what? What do you, what was that? So he turned around and yeah, he turned around and chased after Boucher and it took Robert Williams to kind of hold him back a little bit. Missoula is an absolute maniac, man. He's a maniac. It's wild to see him out there kind of, uh, just, I don't know, attack, not attacking, but you know, gets bumped by players. Like, what are you, what are you doing, man? And have to, to have Robert Williams kind of hold him back. I wish kind of Robert Williams just let him go. I wanted to see what happened there. I'm not usually one for drama, but that would have been hilarious. Joe Missoula, I when he said uh, last week about the Thanasis headbutt that he has headbutted people. He, oh, I might have headbutted somebody. You know, once or twice. I believe it. If you've ever seen the, the coach's pickup game before the games and some video of that is floating around, 
There are no rules. There are no fouls. And it's it's basically, you know, table ladders and chairs match. Missoula is just, it's crazy. When he was out earlier this season with the scratched eye, it's because of one of those crazy pickup games that they play before. Missoula is, he really can be a maniac. He really can be. He wants to win. He wants to win so bad. Like, really, really bad. He's hyper competitive. And I, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep into that. It's funny when it manifests itself like that. I think maybe sometimes it's a little too much. And it's part of what is going to temper him as a coach moving forward as he develops the feel for the game. But it is kind of funny to see that moment of Boucher kind of bumping him in Missoula, kind of saying, what was that about? All right, that's the podcast. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Again, I've been saying this the past couple of nights. If you missed the podcast on Tuesday, it was me and Keith Smith talking about the new collective bargaining, bargaining agreement. That was part one. Part two is tomorrow, the Friday podcast, the continuation of that podcast. So you want to go back and listen to that again? Go ahead, get caught up, and then... Tomorrow, the Friday podcast will be part two, how things impact Jalen Brown, Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, that stuff. So much more on that. And uh, you can chew on that over the weekend. <laughs> you try and process some of the new CBA stuff. There's going to be a lot of that going on. Uh, I was talking to some of the people around the Celtics and they're like, yeah, we don't know everything either. So maybe they're just BSing me, but uh We'll get all of the details at some point soon with the new collective bargaining agreement. So tomorrow's show will be on the individual players. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast, however you get your podcast, whichever app you use, this show is there. So subscribe, watch the show on YouTube, get in there, get into the comment section, join the conversation and you regular subscribers. I love you. Thank you so much. I'd love it. If you shared the podcast, Spread the word. Tell your friends that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.